Yo, hello everybody and welcome back to The Pixelist, the podcast about all the nerdy things we enjoy. I'm Will and this, oh this, is my good friend Blake and I'm so happy you're here and I'm not talking to a stuffed animal. so good. Hey, I will say uh, your boy Jeremy did a good job. So. He, he pales in comparison to the real thing uh but dude it's just it's so good to it's been it's been a minute since i've even really like had a chance to talk to you very much you know? i know yeah been kind of busy i guess yeah i have been so for our listeners i had a baby um it's our second baby and uh i also well, have a job had yeah a baby let's just sure so nobody gets confused how dare you <laughs> um and i got a job she's got a job so it's been kind of wild uh managing everything and uh just couldn't couldn't get together to record so here we are and and naturally it is a huge lore bomb of an episode which i'm excited to dig in with you uh but yeah i I still need to watch exu have you watched it yet i've seen i've seen the first of the two parts so i still need to watch part two yeah i need to watch i've seen up to the break of the first one uh so i need to finish the first one um but then those you guys who've watched long term i've mentioned that my wife who never did any D&D, she watched EXU with me. And so when I told her I'd watched right. the first half, she was like, hold up. Like, we need, <laughs> we need to watch this whole thing. Uh, but we're in this phase right now with our newborn where um, it's really fun. Where like every hour he's awake. <laughs> so like we started Moon Knight and we were like, you know, six minutes into like the first episode. We were like, okay, yeah. And the baby started crying. And um, that was our Friday night. So <laughs> nothing happened after that. So, well, you know, but it's it, all good. It comes with the territory. Yeah, it's good stuff. So, um, but I uh, have. So, have you still have you seen any Moon Knight or st- just that? No, because we she we want to watch it together because we watched all our Marvel shows together and just like right now our schedules um just haven't synced up. Yeah. So, I've seen the first three, and I don't know if you and I will end up talking about it, but I don't, I'm not going to do it now. But I do have some some thoughts. But we'll just we'll perhaps get to that at a later date. Um, I think, I mean, I think that's pretty much it unless there's anything else we needed to, to say. No. Yeah. I mean, I just apologize to you guys, um, who watch our channel and follow the podcast, uh, just for how, um, obviously not being there, uh, previously, but just how delayed this episode has been. Uh, my illustrious co-host pretty much every day was like, Hey, so are we we good to go? (laughs) And I was like, bro, I haven't, I'm sorry um so today i finally watched it so the benefit is for me i mean it's thursday we got a new episode tonight that's right uh, it's super fresh for me so because i just watched it today but um anyway uh i am disappointed that so much great lore content was put in this episode and there's not a lot of time to talk about it um so that is a bit of a bummer but but yeah well the good news is it seems like we're gonna get the heist tonight this week and so right. I think that like most of all that lore stuff is still going to be hanging in the air. So like, you know, I don't think we're really going to like get any answers on that this week. So we might right. still have time to percolate on it. Um, but without further ado, I guess, let's go ahead and jump into this. And uh, if you're new to us, uh, we're the Pixels. 
we do a recap of each episode, and um, that's how we start off this podcast. And following that, we will do our discussion and theory crafting and everything. So we're going to jump into that. And a uh, quick disclaimer, I mean, I'm hoping this isn't that long, but as Blake said, it was a big lore drop. So I know this first half that I'm recapping is a lot. So please uh, bear bear with us. And maybe it'll end up being like a normal recap, but I just, there's a lot here. So yeah. Um, yeah, I guess let's jump into it. A lot so, of a lot of good stuff, though. Yeah, a lot of real good of stuff. But anyway, sorry. No, you're good. All right, so episode 19 of Critical Role Campaign Three. The episode picks up uh, in Istani's home, which is you know where we left off last time, and he's offering the party some drinks, and turns out the drink of choice is lime juice, <laughs> um, like not water with lime, but like lime juice. Anyway, he's making the drinks, and the party, while he's doing that, are basically reminding themselves why they're here. And it's to learn about what happened to the Loomis twins, and to learn about how that may connect to Imogen's mother. Um, who, if you'll recall, was in a study that, within a book, and the Loomis twins were the last people to have checked out that book. So there might be some sort of tie there. So Istani comes back with the lime juice, and Orm asks about the Loomis twins, and they basically fill us in on kind of what we already knew that they were attacked by these three you know masked cloaked figures that um just escaped and uh Ashad Brezio managed to cut one down but he just like dissipated just like Orem had told everybody that happened when this similar attack happened to him um the Loomis twins were killed uh Brescio was poisoned and gravely injured um Istani said he was left untouched and um, again, of the three attackers that came, two escaped. Brescio killed one. Uh, they do insight check Istani here, and Orem does believe what he is saying. And they just start to learn a bit more about the man himself. And he's basically a scholar. He has personally studied the planes of existence around Exandria and has been fascinated and basically devoted his life to that study. And he has the theory that, you know, the world holds its own unique planar ecosystem and that there are more realms beyond just the one they're familiar Bro. with. Bro, <laughs> I love when one, someone was like, pretty sure that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> and he, in this whole big lore drop, he name dropped a few um, interesting figures that we will probably talk about in the discussion portion of this. But uh, notably, plane writer Ren and also uh, Ebenhold Kai, he said he's worked with them in this work. And um, he goes on to say that his connection with the Loomis twins came because they read some of his uh, like research and found him through that and then started contacting him through letters and they became friends and eventually would come to visit to, you know, study and talk and, um, you know, just learn more about all this phenomena. And um, over the last year or so Estani says that the Loomis twins had been focused on research of the moon of ill omen uh Rudis, and especially its flares which is like this light that would sometimes like spew out of it without warning um that had been recorded over the years the different times this had happened and those who were born under these flares were known as Rudis born and uh, i think imogen asks when was the last time you know a is born era was and astani said it was about two and a half years ago um the interest in this has been growing so the records have been growing and the loomis twins were just very interested in this and they're actually planning a trek to eos in order to visit the omen archive to find out more um 
Imogen then asks if Istani knows Professor Khadija Sumal, whom is the person that uh, authored the study in the book that she found. Um, and Istani is familiar with uh, Professor Sumal, but uh, they never really like crossed paths. Um, the party then asks if the Loomis twins left anything with Istani because, again, Imogen is looking for these torn out pages of the study she found that referenced her mother. Um, and presumably they think the Loomis twins might have had those torn out pages. But Estani reveals that, uh, no, like he doesn't have anything of theirs and there is nothing like on the bodies. So if they did have those pages, the attackers presumably took those. Um, Fern then asks are, if the twins were Ruid is born themselves. And Estani says he's not sure. Uh, he didn't know their date of birth and it's not something that they willingly, you know, revealed. Um and they're basically very interested in all this Ruidus born stuff. And so they're like, is there like records of when we can see like when the dates were to figure out who was uh, Ruidus born? And um, Orem, well, I think they're doing like history checks or something. And Orem recalls uh, a figure named known as Drasig, who was a tyrant king. And he was thought to be Ruidus born. And also Elixian, who was like this great hero during the Calamity, but just up and vanished one day. And uh, also the person who ascended to become the matron of ravens is also thought to have been a root is born and Istani basically is like there's a study going on it's basically trying to research all of these root is born people in order to either dispel superstition about them or pinpoint the actual effects that may be on their lives and uh that's ongoing but there is a stigma on these people um or it's like almost an omen to be root is born but Istani says that the scholars as of late are like, it's less of an omen and more of a, like this person's life is going to be important in some way, whether good or bad. And um, as they're talking about this, Fern's like, do Ruidus born people have crazy dreams because of, you know, what we know Imogen to be experiencing. And Istani says that, yeah, the twins never spoke of anything like that, but Ruidus born people apparently do have like strange markings on their body. Um, which Imogen herself has these markings on her hands. And <clears throat> the the party asks, okay, so you said the, the Loomis twins found you through your research. Like what specific research did they find you through? And he said it was this like paper he did on the celestial movements and the solstice and how mages would like utilize the solstice for powerful spells and rituals. And that he learned that there were these signs of other places and other worlds and he researched people who supposedly came from other realms and would like briefly appear before banishing back to wherever they came from and he even theorized that ruidus was perhaps a source of this travel like a waypoint or something but ultimately concluded that it probably wasn't as it seems to have a life of its own uh, fern's like whoa like has anyone ever been to ruidus and istani says no one that he knows of has ever attempted that um that would be pretty crazy but he's like you know what i have this big telescope you how about you guys come back tonight and like you can take a look at rudis yourselves and they're like heck yes like we are definitely about that so imogen before they kind of get up uh pulls out the ruin fragment that she had taken from uh their travel here and is like do you know what this is and Estani does not but he's like i have a friend i'll show it to him he lives here he can maybe help us figure out what this is I know this is a lot, sorry. Uh, but so then 
after that, they're kind of like moseying away and Laudna kind of steals a moment with Imogen and she's like, how are you feeling about all this? Like, you know, you have those marks on your arms. Like, what are you going through? And Imogen's like, I don't know if I'm Rudis born. Maybe my mother was, um, you know, I got these marks in my arms. I, I don't know what's going on. And while she's looking at the marks on her arm, she remembers that she's blue and she's like, oh yeah, I'm blue. And so they ask Astani, he's like, do you have any ideas like how we could fix this? And he's like, you basically need somebody to like remove a lesser curse. They're like, awesome. Thank you. Um, Fern then takes those Rudis born tomes and is like looking through the potential Rudis born people and is like, is Keyleth the Rudis born? And, um, they never, we don't get a concrete answer on that, but they're basically just obsessed with like figuring out who is. Um, but then they leave the house to return later tonight to go to the telescope. Uh, but Astani actually takes them to where the Loomis twins were attacked. And they basically investigated a little bit. Um, I think Orem, it's a tree where they were attacked and Orem looks in the tree and finds like this toxin that was presumably the poison they used. And he pockets that. Um, and Astani's like, yeah, they came out from the tree and the two that escaped ran that way. And he points like to a southward direction. And, uh, in that southward direction, there's like this river that runs through the city. And at the base of it, there's like a statue holding a pot and like a seemingly endless stream of water is pouring from it. So this fascinates them. And they basically come to find out that it's like an enchantment that is, you know, pouring out this endless water. Well, long story short, they're obsessed with this. And so Fern turns into a frog. They tie a little rope around her and she jumps in because she wants to see like how far this goes. And next thing she knows, she's like deep in this like abyss. It feels like the bottom of the ocean and she just can't hear anything, can barely see much. But she sees these like two blue orbs of like light in the distance, but they're getting closer and larger. And so they just start pulling back on the rope and she pops out like just in time and it's like yeah i think i was about to get eaten and presumably i guess we don't know i shouldn't say presumably but it seems like that was the plane of water and there that's where that water was coming from through some enchantment um so after that they're like okay heist time what do we need to do before the heist tonight and they're like we need to do some shopping so they have a quick round of shopping. There's three places here in the Hartmore Hamlet. We've got the Moss Cobble Wares, Not Forgotten, and Witherbone Medicines. Uh, Moss Cobble Wares is a general store. They just pick up a few things here, some magnets. I think Fern gets a fishing rod, and um, they get some gloves for FCG. Meanwhile, Orm and FCG go to Witherbone Medicines to look for a remove curse for Imogen. Um, there is a remove curse potion, but they ultimately don't get it because FCG's like, I can handle this. Don't worry about it. But they do buy a Tanglefoot bag, and they also come to realize that the other heist rival crew has been here as well. So FCG lies and is like, yeah, we're their friends. Uh, remind me what they bought so we don't buy the same thing. And so they're able to learn that uh, the heist rival crew got some Tanglefoot bags, some smoke bombs, and like a vial of gaseous form, I believe. Uh, and finally, Not Forgotten, I think Ashton and Imogen go there. And it's basically like this wood toy shop where everything's like hand carved. And they're like, oh my gosh, Chetney would love this place. We got to bring him back here. And uh, they ultimately get a couple of toys, one little like creepy doll for Ladna and a uh, Jack in the Box as well. Um, then 
they obviously the party all split up to go to those different places i don't remember if i said that or not but so then everyone reconvenes back at their inn and kind of catch up and is like all right you know are we ready to do this tonight and or i think it's the next night and everyone's like yeah but let's go check out the telescope tonight um except chetney he's like we don't all need to go check out the telescope like i'll stay here and they're like okay um cool and so everyone else goes to the telescope and they meet back up with Astani, and one by one they're basically looking through the telescope at Rudis until Orum, who <laughs> rolls very highly yeah. looks at it and sees uh he sees a storm and he's like oh gosh like Imogen needs to see this so he pulls her back and lets her see it and it's the same storm that she's seen from her dreams and that's where it goes to break yeah, and uh, I loved how Orem pulled it out because uh, Matt was like, okay, this is the last roll because you guys, yeah. you're going to miss it here. Yeah. But yeah, after the break in the second half, um, Orem has um, Imogen looked at the telescope in the storm. It's not it's not the same storm from her dreams, but it is so like clearly of the same vein that she's ruffled by this. And not only is she right. ruffled by it from like the sight of it, she's disturbed because it it's always been her dream basically she didn't really and she even says herself i didn't realize it was real like i didn't realize like that is basically the storm that i see in my dreams and they're seeing this on the surface of uh of this moon um you know she's pretty shell-shocked by this and you know the party's kind of talking through um you know what do you know about it is it possible like your mom went there or you know anything like this or like and actually fgg's like um you know do you do you are you sure you don't like remember a memory with your mom or like something happened with your mom like maybe it's like repressed and she's just like flat out no like i i don't i never met my mom i don't remember any of that stuff um and they even ask like hey maybe you could like talk to your dad like talk to your dad and see like what does he think and she's pretty resoundly is like, no, I, I, I don't think he wants to speak to me. Like, basically, we're not on good terms. Um, and so that's, that's not an option. But she is committed to um, going to um, uh, talk to this professor, um, Kadaji Sumal, and basically trying to find out more information, or at least going to the place that he worked at. I think they called it like the something seminary. Um, yeah, yeah, something yeah. to that effect. Um, cause it wasn't clear from, uh, Astani if this place in Eos, what, if this individual is like long gone, retired, whatever, uh, cause Astani is very old and Matt points out that this professor was quote before, uh, Astani's time. Right. So who knows? Um, we do have Fern, uh, and I can't remember if this is before the break or after, but basically asks if Keyleth was a um a moon touched a ruidus touched um yeah figure and astani flips the book and basically says you know it's really not like more recent people it's kind of a bit earlier in time uh so there's no way to know and it's funny though because um marisha is kind of like uh, i don't know is <laughs> is keyleth <laughs> you know so yeah. anyway all that to say um they they just decide yeah let's let's good info let's call it a night and let's do our um our heist uh the next day so they go to bed um they decide that they do want to still keep like a a watch they still want to keep um this happening uh they do give their gift to um marisha uh, to uh ladna 
this little puppet, which she named Shashimi. Um, <laughs> much to everyone's like facial response of like, okay, yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, and you know, also, I also forgot to mention too. They and I can't remember if this was pre-break or not either. But when they were looking at the site where the assassins had basically killed um, the Loomis twins, Orem did jump up in a tree and found like this black, like yeah, almost yeah. like petrified ichor or something uh, as well. I forgot to mention that. Um, all that to say, Marisha gets her new doll, Shashimi, and Chetney is like super pissed um, <laughs> because this was apparently the gift he was working on yeah. for uh, Ladna is a partner for uh, Pate <laughs> and is visibly upset that this has happened. Uh, but Shishimi and Pate have this moment and uh, they seem to take to each other. And uh, anyway, it's just a fun moment. But the party decides. Um, oh, and they also show Chetney this Jack in the Box too, which uh, you know terrifies him. Um, getting to the important stuff. Party goes to sleep. Imogen has her typical dream, and not only is she having her dream, but she's been told that, um, or she's realized prior to this that her dreams typically seem to happen at a quicker cadence as the. Um, orbiting of the moon like completes its circle and then it's around every six months that the cycle happens and that the cadence is kicking up and up so she's going to be having them more and more often but so she has this dream it's the storm it's the house and like we saw in the previous dream she feels this tug towards the storm uh she's also as she's sleeping she has her hand in the satchel holding uh the gnarl rock and, or the, the fragment from it. Yeah. And basically, she decides to step into the storm. And once she's in the storm, you know, she mentioned with Laudan in a previous episode that maybe it was the right decision to do that. Maybe it'd be the right thing to do. Um, her mother is still saying run, but she steps into it regardless. And she feels immediate cold and loneliness and uh, the sense of abandonment. And she sees a shadowy figure in the storm in front of her uh, that she just senses this, this she, she senses a total um, feeling of malevolence and dread and evilness from and the shadowy figure uh, immediately two others step out from behind that person and then two more from that one and then two more from that one and they're all essentially just staring at her and then there's a boom crash of lightning and she basically wakes up uh, she didn't realize this, but Fern was a couple of the party members were already awake um, doing their watch, so to speak. And um, Fern, who's one of the people who was awake, is immediately like, hey, are you okay? What happened? Um, Imogen's freaked out. They wake up Ladna. Ladna had been talking about keeping a dream journal. And so she's immediately like scribbling down <laughs> notes yeah. and asking Imogen questions about what happened. And Imogen's pretty shell-shocked. Um, there is a funny detail where Fern reveals that she was basically pickpocketing um, Imogen and is like, I removed my hand from her pocket. <laughs> <laughs> but is also aware that Imogen's been holding on to the Narwhal again. Right. Um, but they, they basically talk back and forth for ideas. Um, Fern basically says, yeah, next time this happens, you should like look around a bit. To which Imogen's like, okay. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, you know... This stuff's pretty crazy. Yeah, this was traumatic, by the way. Yeah, this was this was no bueno. So, um, anyway, uh, am I forgetting anything from the dream before we move on to the? No, I think that was it. Okay. 
Um, you guys can let us know in the comments if I'm missing anything else. But um, all that to say, um, in the morning they decide, okay, we're going to do our heist. Matt tells them, hey, make sure you have the spells that you need for this. And so FGG actually decides, hey, I could cure your curse, but I'm going to hold off because I need to have the right <laughs> spells for tonight. You're blue now. Um, they time skip. Oh, oh, I actually just, just remembered an important detail. Oh. The um, little like lightning S scars. All right. Fern rolls a natural 20 and notices, uh, because Astani mentioned that these people are typically marked in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fern notices that these markings have grown about a quarter of an inch on her hands and arm, forearms. And Laudna basically realizes in basically an out of character moment and talking with Laura that she would have realized over the time she spent with her, these markings growing over time as well. That's a very important detail. Um, all this to say, they head to the Twilight Mirror Museum. Uh, the host, uh, Yvonne Hydroga, uh, has his naturally very much um, <laughs> over-the-top presentation of the event. Yeah. Uh, he shoots confetti out of his uh, sleeves. It's really great. Um, and the, uh, the opposing party who's also up to the task is revealed to be that troop that they ran into at the rest stop while they were traveling into the Hartmore, basically, right. um, kind of like the, um, curiously, um, somewhat, somewhat suspicious group. Uh, this is basically them. Um, Hytroga basically sets out the rules. And then for the next like 15 minutes, the party pretty much drives him crazy with like, can we walk in the front door? Can we do this? Can we do that? And he's finally like, he's like, all right, enough. Like you will figure it out. Just, <laughs> I almost felt like Matt being like, okay guys, like, yeah. like, come on, let's do this. Uh, but does mention that the article, the item to locate is a, um, let me pull this up. Make sure I have this right here. Um, yeah, I think it was an earring. Thing, yeah. Yeah, it's an earring from a Dijin named uh, Har- Haruban. Harden, I think. Haruban. <laughs> Harden Sorry, or guys. something like that. Basically, this Dijin who um, was convinced that he needed to basically dismantle his entire empire due to a beggar that um, like undid his logic or something to that yeah, effect. He was like, it was like a trick. He got like tricked in a riddle type of thing. Yeah, and so it is, it's a personal effect from this person. And it's kept in the vault, not a literal vault, but like an area within the museum, the vault. Uh, and their job is basically to go and retrieve that. So um, FCG does take note of the opposing party's weapons, what they have. And they decide, okay, yeah, we're going to... And actually, um, uh, Hydroka basically says like, yeah, do what you have to do to get the item within reason. You know, don't break something you shouldn't break. Um, and even FG is like, so like those guys can, can we kill them? Like, is that okay? Like, <laughs> is that frowned upon? You know, but, um, basically Hydroga says, okay, ready, set, go. And that is where, uh, the episode ends. And that's what happened on episode 19 of campaign three of critical role. Yes, sir. Well done. I think that was a long recap. It was, there was, there's so much packed yeah. into this episode. Very lore heavy. Yeah. So, uh, first impressions, what'd you think? I liked it. I mean, I've been, I've been wanting to know what's going on with Rudis for like two campaigns now. It's been a very slow drip. I mean, not that in campaign one, it's not like it was really anything, but it's always been really interesting that there's this, there's two moons and there's the smaller red one that, you know, especially with having seen Legend of Vox Machina now and, you know, with 
the rituals and the importance there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, anyway, I'm going to go on too long of a tangent here. But the point is, I liked it because uh, we got a whole bunch of moon lore and that was satisfying. <laughs> and um, We got the moon lore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now uh, we're at the heist. So I'm, I'm really excited for next episode as well. Um, but, you know, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea because not much happened this episode, but we still got a whole lot. So I was about it. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, you and I are like super biased with like, we love the lore drops. We love the world building, you know, as we kind of discover the world. I feel like, I feel like you and I are always going to walk away being like, yeah, that episode was awesome. And that's, yeah. that's how I felt. I mean, you know, the first half for the most part, or rather like the first two hours were um, essentially like a big dialogue sesh. And uh, I thought it was great, you know, so I definitely can understand someone who's like, okay, yeah. You know, the moon. Got it. <laughs> cool. <laughs> but um, I actually, and I, I think I would not have appreciated it as much if not for our conversation in a previous episode where you sort of kind of laid out, like, here's all the backstory from previous campaigns is what people have been saying for all this time, um, including things like, is Ruidus a more sentient thing? You know, is it actually a moon or is it something, you know, and so I can't remember yeah. when that conversation was, if that was after a Legend of Vox Machina episode or if that was um, maybe like yeah. around episode 15 or 16. I can't remember. I don't remember. Um, probably whatever the last time we talked about the Loomis twins. But um, that gave me a lot of great context for then this episode where I was kind of like, oh, my gosh, he was onto something. <laughs> <laughs> so I loved it. I thought it was a great episode. And um yeah, I just, I'm really excited around, um, I, I guess I also just appreciate the fact that, you know, this has all the makings of like a side quest or like a filler quest, and yet it still feels great, still feels like dire- like full of direction, like we're heading a certain direction rather than just let's get this over with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like the episode and uh, really excited for tonight's episode too. Me too. I, I'm very hyped for like, you know, Ocean's Eleven type of yeah i keep i keep going between oceans 11 and halloween heist for Wait, brooklyn nine nine brooklyn nine nine oh oh oh, oh yeah, yeah like yeah. every season they have like yeah, yeah. their halloween heist um so i keep just envisioning jake peralta <laughs> halloween heist but, but yeah. i think that's probably a pretty apt combination of what we're gonna get yeah uh but all right there's so much really to talk about in this episode uh but first and foremost going to give us a little bit of credit you know not that this was a big crazy call but we did theorize that the red storm and imogen's dream might have something to do with the red moon rudis and that right pretty much confirmed so good job us yeah good job us um, we don't always get them right we, we mostly don't do <laughs> but when we do <laughs> we'll definitely let you know about it and we will let you know oh <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess, I mean, that's a good place to start as any is all of this ruinous stuff. Um, yeah, dude, what's up with, I mean, it, it felt like it could not have been a just tame comment, just a random comment of, yeah, there's, I'm theorizing there's other worlds, other realms out there. I was like, bruh, dude, are we about to like, is Exandria unlimited, truly unlimited? Is that what we're, is that what we're heading towards is... You know, I mean, I mean it's it seems like, yeah, with multiverse confirmed. I mean, there's already kind of a, a multiverse in the sense that there's like the 
prime material plane there's the feywild there's the you know the hells or so right that i don't know if that if you call that a multiverse or not but we're speaking of like a whole level beyond that like there's multiple prime material planes multiple things i i kind of wonder if it is like an intentional lore comment that opens up critical role media to you know hey we have an exandria steampunk campaign or you know things like that that other people because i we've kind of sensed this happening of like matt and co not withdrawing at all but just sort of setting up other important people uh like abria as uh the dm of exu and because uh, you know they can't do it forever, right? And and this thing is becoming a widely expanding expanding brand. So yeah, I kind of wonder if it was like a subtle lore comment to explain like you know future drops of content that's not so I guess like fantasy driven or medieval esque. Yeah, I like, guess Lord of the Rings esque or yeah, you know. like if they want if they want to make campaign for sci fi, it could still be in the exandrian multiverse but maybe it's you know Mm. something completely different so i think that's definitely part of it and uh that's super exciting like even if matt is the one to still do something vastly different like i i love that all three campaigns have taken place in the same continuity but i feel like let's say there are going to be seven campaigns i bet at some point they probably do want to like massively change it up um you know play with new yeah. play with a new world in a way so this could be another way to do that and modern day D. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> the darkest timeline <laughs> but yeah i think and i think this is something that those are some i think absolutely on point practical reasons for this but i also think it's something matt has been baking in for a long time like maybe even as early as campaign one it's just now it's the first time it's ever come to the the forefront um which I guess this is a good time to bring this up. Uh, but uh, Plane Rider Rin, which is a, a name that was dropped in, uh, that Asani dropped as somebody he's worked with. Um, we've heard that name before in Campaign 2. We've never met that character on screen. Um, but they're uh, a plane rider, you know, somebody that like travels between the planes. Um, so I think it'd be really cool if we do meet Plane Rider Rin. Um, oh, so it's plane like, like rider not plain writer right right like R I oh okay i was like yeah so many writes about the planes i guess <laughs> oh, okay this makes more sense but yeah so she is this at least i think it's a she it might be a he i'm not sure um but studied like planner travel and like all these arcane ley lines which you know again kind of ties into the solstice and this 30 year cycle that might be happening with the power so i feel like all these pieces are lining up um but in slight spoilers, but not too big, because like I said, this person never actually showed up in campaign two. Um, let me just make sure I'm at the right part of my notes here. Yeah. So in campaign two, at one point, the party finds themselves in like this. Uh... They're with another NPC. I'm trying to do this like as spoiler free as possible. They're with another okay. NPC <laughs> and that NPC knew plane rider Rin and had some like items of theirs. So later the party finds themselves in this like cave that plane rider Rin had like, she wasn't there at the time, but had like utilized and was, it was in another plane of existence. So they had like this study set up in another plane of existence. Um, 
so i don't know okay. it's just cool that <laughs> this name got dropped again and like you know these little seeds that met planted in previous campaigns are you know yeah. bearing fruit basically yeah hats off to him yeah i i like how things just seem to click together like past data points and stuff where it doesn't feel forced um yeah and i i have had we heard Ruidus referred to as the moon of ill omen previously i feel like we probably have but i don't like remember that specifically okay well it's interesting because it's the language that um the tetrarch used in exu right who said there's um basically where the parties in near Pak towards the end of exu the first first part um they're talking to this sage-esque person who's the leader of this hidden city and the person basically as basically says there's an ill there's an ill omen on Taldore. Um, or maybe it's even specifically on their city, and um is like looking up at the moon and like basically how like there's something coming, like something, and I think even Abria even mentions the two moons were in inside at the time, but it's an interesting connection though. That's a very intentional yeah. language, I feel like, that you know, there is an ill omen. And you know, obviously Rudis has always been there, but it it to me connects those storylines a little bit where exu had like this macro this kind of behind the scenes macro like the ono plateau and like what's really happening on taldore and linking that forwards now to ruidus uh kind of makes sense to me absolutely i stamp that send it because i i think so and the omen is probably the solstice that is uh, which again, that's happened before, but clearly there is some entity or organization that is planning to use this for ill purposes and whoever is sending these assassins, I feel like, and we can kind of, I don't want to dive there yet, but I do want to talk more about that. Um, but I think a hundred percent that, that had, that has to be what the Tetrarch was talking about. I imagine. I mean, y'all yeah. let us know in the comments if you think so. Um, but I found the specific part of my notes and I wanted to say one more thing about the plane rider Ren that's very interesting. So in campaign two, when they were in the study or whatever, they found some of plane rider Ren's notes. And this is basically what was on those notes. Um, and again, you know, they studied the planes of existence and everything. So Ren's notes pertaining to the planes of existence noted a slow shift in the structure between the planes and a sudden a possible sudden shift in the cosmic tapestry down the road remaking the cosmos so that to me what does that mean that to me sounds like the solstice as well like where these ley lines and planes are like at the perfect position to like make something happening make something happen and you know astani even brought that up about how mages utilize the special energy to cast like the most powerful spells right. so for my money there's some entity or organization that is planning to use this solstice for something real bad and uh, that ruidus is a main part of that somehow yeah do you think ruidus is sentient like do we think it's like are we talking about fifth element here where it's a you know, an evil entity incorporated into a big red moon or, you know, I mean, or is it just, it just is, you know, a creation of, you know, just total like spitball, the betrayer gods that it's like a leftover, you know, artifact and it sort of emanates and is the source of 
you know, this arcane power. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, yeah. I mean, I think it could be a little column A, a little column B, like maybe it is sentient and it is a betrayer God that has been like nest, like nesting all this time until it could, you know, hatch again or something. Uh, you know, Astani himself said, you know, I forget the exact quote, but I mentioned it in the recap about how he first thought that maybe Ruidus was like a like a waypoint that enabled this like multiverse right. travel. But then he was like, yeah. I concluded that wasn't the case because I feel like it's a living thing. And he didn't really expand on that, but he thinks it's alive. And yeah, he's one of the, you know, most knowledgeable people on it, presumably. So I need I need to go back and watch our re- or our discussion on this because this is a lot of the language that we use of just like hypothesizing like what people have said. Mm-hmm. And you had talked about what some fans had kind of theorized over the last few years. And so there's there's a lot of similarities with those that discussion that I wish I could remember, but yeah. You know, I got I got baby brains. So um <laughs> so. But yeah, no, I mean this is interesting though. It's 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 kind of mind blowing, honestly. I'm kind of just like, dude, like where you know, is this campaign going to end on Ruidus or like, <laughs> you know, I mean, what's, what's going on? Yeah. it. I mean, it was hilarious how Fern was like, let's build us a ship to get there. Yeah. Um, which for those of you that are familiar with like the different, not like the different flavors of D and D there's like spell jammer, which is like spaceships. So a lot of people have theorized that maybe we're getting like a spell jammer, uh, in this campaign, like maybe Bell's Hells are going to space and, you know, maybe even multiversal, uh, you know, out of our universe even. Um, so I think that would all be crazy. But yeah, I mean, to me, Ruidus is, is something more than just a floating rock. Now, whether that's a betrayer god, I know some people have even speculated that... Um, you know, we've talked about the floating cities that were the ancient floating cities. Uh maybe it was even one of those ancient floating cities that during the calamity managed to like eject itself out of this war between the gods and has just been like biting yeah. time ever since or something so Dalaran like, style or something. yeah yeah so maybe it's like i mean they don't have to be evil i guess but it seemingly is like an evil vibe but like evil ancient wizards or something which and pardon the segue here if you have more to say not that i'm getting away from it but speaking of like evil wizards these figures that showed up in the storm what like what are you taking from that do you think those are people literally on rudis do you think it's more metaphorical and maybe like these are the people planning to use the solstice for nefarious purposes both you know yeah i i don't know like i have so many like theories in my head are like you know are these the eight who are imprisoned on rudis and they you know, extend their influence, you know, in some way, or is it because, because also I'm thinking of like, what's the connection with Imogen? Like, how is she able to, and for lack of a better phrasing, like see them, you know? Yeah. Um, and there was an interesting detail where she said, she asked Matt, can I read sort of the main figure's thoughts or any of their thoughts? And Matt, interestingly enough, said, you know, no, they're they're not actually physically present because it's a dream. Um, right, right. Not, not saying they aren't present on Ruidus or what have you, but um, so even in her dreamlike state, she's not she's not like 
being transported elsewhere where right. she's encountering something like it is a dream. Right. Right. And so, um, bearing that in mind, you know, I, for me, it's more, it's less of like literal characters who are in the storm and more of like a metaphor on these are individuals utilizing ruidous in some nefarious way. And maybe like you said, they are behind the attacks on, um, Keyleth and on the Loomis twins, um, makes the most sense to me. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I thought, I also thought that that was a really pertinent fact that Matt said that you can't read their minds. So like that, cause I mean, they could have been sentient, like things that were invading her like type of right. thing. So I, right. I did like that. We got that clarity. Um, but yeah, I mean, for my money, I think if not, not that those figures are literally like the boss that have ordered these strikes, but I do think they're connected. Um, I mean, I think that this all has to be connected, at least the the attacks and whatever's happening with Ruidus, because the people that are being targeted are like the people that could stop them, basically, like the Loomis twins who were obsessed with studying this, uh, you know, Keyleth, who is her whole purpose is to make sure like the, the planes play nice so i feel like that all lines up too nicely for it not to be related um but and correct me if i'm wrong the the like main figure that she sees at first where they like you know then more appear i think it was a woman and so yes that's right actually a woman he said standing i think strong and defiant yeah but couldn't couldn't see the face that's right right and so i'm wondering could it be her mom since she never met her mom, doesn't know what her mom looks like. It doesn't really check out with the fact that her mom is like telling her to run and then would be like malicious. But um, I don't know. Uh, low hanging fruit, but I was just like mysterious woman. She doesn't know who her mom is. Yeah. I mean, it, and also it kind of makes sense from like a story point. Like you want the big bad to be, you know, not someone who gets, you know, in typical like Square Enix style where like you fight the final boss and there's like another final boss who like, you're like, who's this person? (laughs) You know, like, I don't think we'll see something like that. So, I mean, either Matt and then I would assume in the near future is going to start placing breadcrumbs for what that big bad's going to be. Um, Or in the very least for like the end of this storyline, maybe the breadcrumbs are already there and you're right. Maybe it is her mother. Um so, I mean, yeah, the lining up of, you know, saying run and it yet it, I mean, it, it could be in her dreams. I mean, she's having these thoughts of her mother saying run. And then this is like the form of her mother succumbed to, you know, whatever power um, the storm offers. Cause we also know that Imogen is sort of being tempted, you know, one ring style yeah. by the gnarl rock. Yeah. And she's twice now, you know, can't seem to resist, you know, going to sleep, reaching in and grabbing it. So there'd be some interesting, um, um, interesting rhythms there with like that being the, if that was the case for her mom and now being what she's facing. Um, and she even interestingly enough uses language around, I mean, obviously they don't know the story, but you know, uses language there when they're asking her about the storm, she says she wants, she doesn't want to do this anymore. She wants to learn how to control this, including, I think the implication was like whatever power there may be, you know, laying dormant with this whole thing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And I, I liked what you said there about perhaps her mom 
succumb to this this power or whatever it might have been because there were i mean i don't recall how many people that study was on we might not know it might be part of the torn out pages but we know the study was studying multiple people that were having these dreams so maybe the people that in the storm were like the previous generation of all of all the the dreamers and maybe her mom's telling her to run but that is her mom and like maybe someone else is like utilizing these ruidus born people and like using them as conduits to you know do whatever they want to do but like maybe her mom like if i'm butchering this but if imogen like goes to the storm she might like lose her own agency and that's maybe what her mom is warning her about and yeah perhaps her mom is alive and is one of those people and is evil but has like lost her herself or something maybe there's you know people who are sort of gifted i mean here's here's the here's the the wondering is is someone who's ruidus touched the same just different language around these people who are experiencing the red storm or are these two different entities and imogen is like that special person who's both both Mm. you know which i don't know that'd be interesting too yeah I think we're both on the same page. It seems like that she's definitely Ruidus born. Definitely. Right. Yeah, yeah. for sure. No um, doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> but is, but so is her, but that's the reason I wonder is, are these synonymous terms? Cause then I'm like, well, then is her mom one too? And like, what are the odds of that? That they would both be one. Um, yeah. Well, maybe it's genetic. So True. But yeah, I mean, for my money, I feel like her mom was also one. Um, and yeah, uh, I had honestly forgotten that Imogen had markings on her skin until they talked about it this episode. Dude, I missed this or something because I was like going back being like, when did this happen? What? Like I was I was confused thinking this was the curse in some way. Um, yeah, I need to go back and like watch like the first episode or second episode to get. But I think she re uh, characterized it in this episode. where she, she described it like almost like like someone who's been struck by the lightning, like sometimes like they have like the streaks of yeah, scars, yeah. something to that effect. Um, I just pulled up her character art just to see. And yeah, it's on there. So like, this is something that was planned clearly. Not that I didn't think it was, but yeah, I, I had forgotten that as well. So very interesting. And I mean, just like you said, lightning and there's a storm. So it all kind of aesthetically plays together nicely. Huh? Yeah, purple lightning bolts streaking up from her wrists, which have grown slightly over the decade. And she has purple hair. So I wonder if, like, that's not her natural hair color, but because of something that happened to her or something, that's there's, like, this purple energy within her, which is interesting that it's not red. Yeah, I was actually splitting hairs, though, but... Yeah. Hmm. So... (laughs) Um trying to see if there's anything not that we need to move on if you have more on the whole ruinous thing but i'm just looking over my notes to see if there's anything else i wanted to touch on um there all those npcs that were mentioned as potential ruinous born were, were pretty interesting um there was Jurassic, who was like that tyrant king and um we don't know y'all correct me in the comments if i'm wrong but that's never really been somebody i mean it's an ancient figure so obviously they were never like on screen um but i feel like we don't really know too much about them other than like 
tyrant king in the time before uh like the current present era um so we have that person and then we have uh elixian i wanted to say and i'm trying to find my thing here and i can't is this the hero who disappeared yeah yeah and i do not remember having heard that name ever but i think we must have because a lot of people like immediately recognize that when that came on um so elixian dubbed the apotheon might be pronouncing that incorrectly was a mortal champion blessed by three of the prime deities in the calamity so he was born in Wildmount, uh under the full moon of ruidus cursing him to have a bad life in the calamity he was granted blessings he fought in many battles uh this doesn't mention him disappearing but matt mentioned that so maybe that was new information to us looks um, like he was mentioned in uh the uh Taldore reborn oh book. okay that that might have been what it was i need we need a we need to i know we gifted one to one of our followers we need to like dig into that book i think because yeah. i know they also there's some commentary around um the seely and unseely quartz um and some of those characters as well and so it, it just would be good i think to get familiar with some of the characters mentioned Absolutely. so that when they do pop up in episodes we're like oh yeah, apparently there's a lot of good information. We should like, I don't know how, we'll figure this out, but it'd be cool to like, I, I bought one, so I have one. Maybe I could read it, then give it to yeah, you, okay. and you could read it, and we could do like an episode on it. But uh, yeah, there's also the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, which is probably a little bit less relevant because that was more of the land of the last campaign. Um, I haven't read that either, but I've heard there's some good stuff. And then they just released one, which I'm interested to check out too. The Call of the Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's mentioned in that one too, Elixian. Okay, so yeah, we we should definitely figure out something with that. Um, but I mean, the classic, he vanished is like, uh, or he's coming back. We're gonna see him. <laughs> is like what my mind immediately jumped to. Which, yeah, the time frames don't make sense at all. But I mean, if we're talking about like multiversal travel, I think there's some time dilation or just shenanigans that could be going on, where he could still be a face yeah. we see this campaign um maybe he's one of the freaking people in the storm if he was a ruinous born you know yeah yeah um this is interesting um called the nether deep this adventure module uh it's run through levels three through 12 begins in zorhas which i think is in Wildmount. Mm -hmm. progresses to on which mm. could be relevant yeah then moves to a new location the nether deep uh, blah 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 blah. Under the watchful gaze of Ruidus, twisting the fate of those who can change history, adventurers seek to release a forgotten champion of the gods, thought destroyed, but instead awakened in his prison in the depths of Exandria. Oh. Could be Elix could be Elixian. Oh, but it doesn't say though. But explicitly, I mean that yeah. sounds like him. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, we need to check that book out too. So I mean, I feel like what you just said is probably definitely him. So this is not probably not even worth saying anymore but another idea i had was if he mysteriously vanished and that theory earlier we were talking about about like if rudis was like a civilization that ejected to like get out of the calamity i mean he was a hero of the calamity so i guess he wouldn't have gone but maybe he's on rudis and that's why he vanished um yeah maybe i, I don't think know. it's probably what whatever you were just reading <laughs> or he's in this prison that i mentioned in the nether deep <laughs> so oh um, okay cool all right, well, uh, what else you want to talk about? Yeah, this is, man, there's a lot to think about for sure. Yeah, 
Um, well, one last person that was potentially Ruidus born worth mentioning was the Raven Queen herself, which she's just a yeah. Which I don't know any of the context around this character, um, but I know she's been mentioned several times, even in this campaign. Um, but I think the language was this character before they descended into becoming the Raven Queen or something to that effect. Yeah, it was potentially Ruidus born. So the real short version is that the Raven Queen. Whomever was whomever ascended to be the Raven Queen was once like a mortal person, and they ascended to godhood by killing, or we don't know if they killed, but they somehow defeated the current god of death and thus became the god of death themselves. So she's just like a super interesting character in the lore, you know, a person that became a god essentially. Um, so I'm just. And there's there's other deeper connections with stuff that's happened in other campaigns, but without getting into spoiler territory, just thought it was yeah, okay. really cool that that she also was Ruidus born. And it'd be interesting if we find out more about maybe her mortal history at any point in, in what we're uncovering here. <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to do that, throw that out there. But yeah, I'm ready to, to move on from all things Ruidus, if you are. Yeah, sure. Um Anything in particular you wanted to hit next? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's not much to say about it because we didn't really get any new information, but just getting when the party got, gets taken to like the area where the Loomis twins were killed. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we get like the detail of the, like sort of the petrified ichor in the wood. Right. Like and, the um, toxin. Yeah. Them. And um, which we kind of already knew they had used poisonous weapons of some kind. Um, really no new info there. Um, I did like Chetney admiring the tree or whatever. And <laughs> yeah. the, Stani, you know, the party kind of all realized that Astani's been there the whole time. Like, oh. like okay. <laughs> Be on my way then. Um, and I like how they keep gifting him limes also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so not really any new info there. And But um, yeah, I don't really have anything to say about it other than just like, yeah, we're, we keep getting these data points around this attack and um, still don't quite know much about it. Seems like yeah. the party needs to go to EOS to find out more. I, I will say, Astani does mention that the Loomis twins had said that day, basically, we have something to tell you, something we discovered. And um, that's the day they were killed. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's interesting to me because I know Orem orig originally hypothesized that the attack on Keyleth was like testing the defenses. Mm-hmm. This seems more related to, um, you know, maybe the attack wasn't on Keyleth. Maybe right. it was on his husband. Yeah, maybe. Like, because we don't really know much. I mean, we know he was a guard, I think. That mm -hmm. was confirmed. But maybe he was a guard that was into astronomy and was, you know. Maybe he was, yeah, maybe he was rude as touched. I don't know. Yeah, I mean. Because think about this. If the attacks are so quick and they happen so fast, it doesn't make sense that they never came back. It was assumed to be for Keyleth. What if it, what if it never was, you know? Yeah. I think that's a good point. Um, yeah. I, I think, I mean, there's also, I think this is just aesthetic and nice flavor, but there's also the literal like big moon, little moon thing. Like they refer to themselves as the moons. So like that probably maybe was just a choice Liam made for fun. And Matt like took that and ran with it. Or maybe, it, maybe his partner was, really into the moon and knew too much well 
Orem is clearly like oblivious if that's the case because Imogen <laughs> even asks like, Hey, so like, are you guys into moons? And he's like, this is just a tattoo. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He did say that. <laughs> so, but so, but so like, it, I guess those two attacks are just so wildly different in terms of the implication of them that it feels like there's a big missing piece there that we haven't figured out yet. I, I agree with that, but a devil's advocate, the only thing that, uh, that could make it sense make it make sense is that the ashari people are the ones tasked with keeping the the planes intact so if this this organization that's trying to use the solstice which is the aligning of the planes for some nefarious purposes the ashari peoples are probably like the first people that would get in their way so maybe it was just trying to see like how the ashari people would deal with an attack um but that being said, I do agree that I think there's maybe someone else was the real target there and it wasn't Keeler. Maybe, maybe the attack was enough to get them off course of whatever they were focused on, like yeah. without them even realizing it. Because obviously the Loomis twins were killed because they knew something or they, they had poked their nose into something too far, I guess. Right. Um, which is interesting that this shadowy organization is alert enough. Yeah, how do they know? Yeah, and so, but but it seems like there's something really important that that needs to be that needs to stay hidden. And I, um, you know, so maybe the attack on the Ashari was, you know, it was enough of a distraction where now they went in, to in totally different direction. I don't know, but yeah, it is interesting because I was wondering that too. Like, if it wasn't the Keyleth and it was this Orum's partner or whoever how did how did this organization know you know uh, with the loomis twins like maybe it's because you know they're out here researching maybe they asked the wrong person who's a member of this organization or whatever and they're like we got to kill these people but i definitely think that's an interesting question of how they're how they know when people are getting close to right messing with them um oh gosh something was on the tip of my brain but it's it's left me we were talking about Orum. Shoot. All right. I'm going to try not to think about it. Maybe it'll come back to me. Um, okay. Hopefully it will. But Well, I, I don't even else to say about it other than just like, yeah. I mean, the party's, it, it kind of makes me wonder, is the party heading towards an encounter like this of their own in the near future? I feel like, yeah, because they're the ones now barking up this tree. Like, whatever right. rang the alarm for the Loomis twins is probably going to get rang for them. Uh, so I think so, um, for sure. And, I mean, that'll be interesting. Uh, I wonder, I mean, obviously we've got the Tyst, and so we'll we'll see what comes after. But I wonder, are they going to go to EOS? Or I wonder what thread they're going to pull after this. It's, I mean, I, I think, feel like it's got to be this, though, like this story. Unless something like big happens in Drusar that like pulls them back. Wasn't, well, I oh, mean, I remember what I was like... going to say. <laughs> Sorry. Right, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, we also have uh, Delilah Briarwood in this, in this mix, who's up to something. We don't know what, but we do know that via Campaign 1, via The Legend of Vox Machina show, she was literally already trying to use the Solstice for something so the fact that some entity something is trying to use it again and she's out there doing something not saying it's her but 
there might be she might be playing a role in this or at least her own role similarly trying to use it right yeah maybe she wants to return or something i don't know but sorry for cutting you off i just had a eureka moment where i remember yeah i don't don't remember what i was saying so (laughs) but uh yeah i mean i don't know it's just interesting it just feels like we're heading towards some kind of encounter um it does feel like the story i actually do remember what i was going to say it does feel like the story is pulling us deeper into marquette i think matt mentioned that eos was past the hellcatch valley i think um I think so yeah so you're going farther farther into marquette i can't remember if it's farther west or farther south but um there are some things un that haven't been taken care of in Drasar, and so it does you know, now I guess previously where I felt like, oh man, there's still so much to so many threads to tie up in, in Drasar. Now I'm kinda like, man, there's now it feels like there's a big there's getting a growing pull outside of it. Um so I wouldn't be surprised if we see kind of a wrap up in Drasar in the near future. Or maybe they go on their adventure and they return to it at a later date. I don't know. But um I just I don't see us spending another fifteen episodes there now. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but but who knows? But yeah, I mean that's that's one of the interesting things about this as a, a storytelling medium because there are lots of threads and not all of them get addressed. You know, it depends on right. which way the party goes. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot in Jassar if they decided to stay there, but they didn't. So whatever those threads will either still be there if that like makes sense, or they will have progressed just without the influence of the party, and we'll see the results of that. Or maybe we won't. Depends on if they go back, I guess. But um, yeah, there's uh, there's definitely just things like, and not not in a bad way, in a good way. There's things that won't get addressed from the party, but will still have an impact on the world. Right. Yeah. Um. And then I'm about to completely shift gears here. I just thought of something else. But if you have yeah, something go for else. it. I'm actually like I've kind of run out of things that I wanted to bring up. Um, so you lead it for sure the one thing i wanted to talk about is chetney and oltgar who uh was we know chetney has a relationship with oltgar i don't know if it was literally his like mentor or not but he is also like a master craftsman and we know that uh he worked at uh not forgotten the shop that they just bought those toys from. Okay, I totally missed that connection. I so it's it's it, it they're the same person. Yeah. So you oh, know, wow. the lady yeah. in the shop was like, yeah, we so used he like to ran have, off or something, right? Yeah, or, we used to have this guy that worked here. He was like a master craftsman. He made some of this stuff, and uh, she name drops that name. And so then later, you know, they're like, Chetney, you got to take check this place out. Uh, you know, there's this guy named Oltgar that is like you, and he's like, what? yeah okay yeah that's right yeah okay so i'm real interested in what's going on there like he the fact that oltgar himself just vanished one day and that chetney like wasn't excited to hear that name he was like oh shit you know so yeah um uh we also know chetney's transformation is pretty recent so maybe there's even a connection there yeah like maybe we still don't know the, the truth of how and why he left his previous guild. I mean, presumably it was because he became a werewolf and had to take care of that shit. But he like originally said he got fired, didn't he? Yeah. But maybe yeah, 
like maybe Oltgar was like his boss and maybe Chetney just disappeared one day because of the werewolf thing. Or, I mean, this is just pure postulation, but um, maybe Oltgar's looking for him. Uh, I just thought that was interesting and I'm excited to learn more, especially because, you know, Chetney didn't go with them to the telescope after finding that out. Um, but then he, yeah. didn't, he didn't do it. He just... I think he just stayed and looked for that other rival party. Yeah, he just kind of kept watch. But I did wonder about him not wanting to go look at the moon. Like, I wonder if... Uh, yeah. Because wasn't there a comment in a previous episode about... Um, like Basically, like, yeah, whenever the moon's at its highest or something to that effect. Like, yeah. watch out for this guy. Right, you yeah. Uh, be aware. What was that guy's name? It was Start the... G? Gurge. Gurge, that's right. Yeah, yeah it was, he was like, yeah, watch out for this guy. So... We got all that moon stuff on top of the encyclopedia. Yeah, the other one doesn't go, about. and so I wonder if that was actually like a more intentional. Like, it's probably best that I don't. Fair point. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Oh. Uh. So yeah, I I just wanted to to bring that up, see if you had any thoughts on it. I I really don't know what to make of it, but I was I was surprised at the type of reaction he had. That it was like. Yeah, it was not a pleasant surprise. It was like, a, oh no, type. Of yeah, thing. I missed it for sure, and I'm remembering it now in hindsight. Um, yeah, yeah, I, you know, these are just great breadcrumbs for like bigger story leads, which I'm yeah. all about. Um, what else? What else from the episode? Do you want to? Is there anything else you want to talk about? I mean, I think that pretty much covers it for me. Yeah. So we got the heist tonight. We'll see. Uh, this earring, the wind folly, uh, you know, if this is a, you know, it turns out to be a bigger item than we think, or if it's just a random artifact or what have you. Certainly but, fascinating uh, to, yeah, if it's real, which I mean, I'm assuming it is. Yeah. So should be a good episode tonight for sure. Yeah. So, and sorry again, guys, for this episode getting out so late. Apologies for that. Totally my fault. But uh, we still continue- made it. Yeah, you can continue to follow us on our YouTube channel or on Twitter at the Pixelus. And uh, yeah, it is Thursday. So <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed. Yeah. Uh, just a thumbnail, thumbnail, I guess. Yeah. Uh, uh, we could do like a little like uh, telescope action or something. Oh, yeah. And I get you probably can't see it, but there's like a moon on our overlay. So I'm going to oh, be like, yeah, I can't see it. Actually. I'm going to be like pointing to the moon, I guess. You could maybe like. Okay, yeah, or, I'll do that. Maybe face, this way? Other way, other way. Okay, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. All right, cool. All right. Well, that's everything. Thanks for checking us out, and we'll catch you next week, too. Bye, y'all. See ya.